Halito, and welcome to Native Chalk Talk, a podcast by Natives for all. Here, we're keeping our Native ancestors' stories and history alive, while also sharing with you our Native cultures, traditions, and more. I'm Rachel Youngman, a Choctaw originally from Anadarko, Oklahoma. I hope you'll enjoy this journey with me as we learn from our Native American guests. And stay tuned for the end of each episode, where we'll talk about some great ways to support Native causes and or Native-owned businesses. Let's get started. The Choctaw Nation has always provided a foundation upon which a future can be built. From our home in Southeast Oklahoma to a bingo hall that grew to be one of the largest casinos in the world. Today's summer school programs lay the groundwork for a love of learning. Small business programs support local economies. And with over 10,000 jobs created, Choctaw offers financial stability to tribal members and our neighbors. Together we build success because together we're more. Halito friends, I'd like to share a word of warning today. We'll be discussing some critical yet explicit content in this episode that contains information about missing and murdered women in our Native community. It's a lot to take in, and frankly, it's hard to even talk about. But as I've said in this show before, I'm not here to sugarcoat. I'm here to share information. So please note, listener discretion is strongly advised. Before we start, if you or someone you know is in a dangerous domestic situation, please call the Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or visit thehotline.org. Today, we'll be talking to my guests from Missing Murdered Indigenous women Chata chapter. That's Missing Murdered Indigenous women dash Chata, C-H-A-H-T-A. It's the actual word for Choctaw. But first, a repost on July 14th, 2022 by Missing Murdered Indigenous Women dash Chata chapter from Oklahoma Cold Cases stated the following. On March 26th, 2013, the body of Shalena Marie Petit Jackson, 26, was found in the 1700 block of Southwest Douglas in Lawton, Oklahoma. She was discovered next to a building that was once an elementary school. Shalena was native and the mother of six children, one of which passed away before Shalena's murder. She was born in Anadarko, Oklahoma, that's my hometown, to a large family who are still working to find justice for her. Shalena was stabbed four times in the neck and head area. There is a possibility she was also strangled. She had numerous abrasions to her hands and her face. There were multiple witness statements in the investigation, yet it remains at a standstill, according to law enforcement. The family questions if there is enough being done by investigators to close the case. DNA was taken and tested, but results weren't publicly released. There was a memorial for her in the place where she was found murdered, and it was vandalized in May of 2013. Police have no clue who may have done it. Please call Lawton Crime Stoppers at 580-355-INFO for any information. The Yakima Herald has taken time to share story after story of local missing and murdered Indigenous women. Very few have been found and brought home. Some are still missing, and some have been found murdered. And here are just a few of their stories. 
Sarah D. Winnier, 24. She was found at 3.30 a.m. July 22nd, 1985, sitting upright in the driver's seat of a burning car off McDonald Road, about half a mile from Highway 97. Her body was badly burned and the coroner used dental records to identify her. Winnier lived in a remote part of the reservation and had worked at the Save More Grocery in Wapato. Rosenda Strong, 31, was reported missing on October 2nd, 2018, after she disappeared around September 30th. She had gotten a ride to Legends Casino just a few miles from her home and was last seen at the casino. Her remains were found July 4th, 2019, in an abandoned freezer outside Talpanish. Anyone with information is asked to call the Yakima Nation Police Department at 509-865-2933. Joanne Betty Wyman John, 44, of Wapato. Her skull and bone fragments were found February 2nd, 1991, near Mill Creek, southwest of White Swan. She was identified through dental records. The mother of 11 children, she had been listed as missing since October 1st, 1988. She was last seen at the Brownstown Tavern. Coroner's records list cause of death as homicidal violence. Sometimes we hear these stories and think of them as just that, stories, people we don't know and maybe live far away from us. We think these things can't possibly happen to us or our sister or mother or daughter. I'd like to challenge us as women to start considering these missing and murdered women as our sisters, as humans who once had personalities and dreams and families. And as you listen to the remainder of this episode, please keep in mind, these sisters that are still missing, they need your help. So let's be thinking of ways we can all make a difference. According to Potawatomi.org, Oklahoma is home to 39 tribes and ranks 10th in the nation for missing and murdered indigenous women. NativeWomen'sWilderness.org shares that Indigenous women are two times more likely to be raped than Anglo-American white women. And murder is the third leading cause of death for Indigenous women, according to Centers for Disease Control. Think about that. Across the population of all women, the top three leading causes of death are natural causes like heart disease and cancer. And number three is chronic lower respiratory diseases like asthma and emphysema. Yet for indigenous women, again, their number three cause of death is murder. Let that soak in for a moment. I'm just blown away by that fact. Having said all of that, there is hope. By now, you've probably heard of MMIW, the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Movement. It's been around for quite a while, but thankfully, it's been gaining more attraction and support and volunteers over the last few years. And because my guest today represents my own Chukta People's MMIW chapter, it's certainly near and dear to my heart. Please welcome my guest today, Akato and fellow Choctaw, Carissa Hodge, president and founder of MMIW Chukta. Halito, Carissa. Halito, how are you? I'm doing all right. We have so much to talk about today, and it's such a serious topic, but there is some hope in here. So I'm really looking forward to hearing some of your updates and um, and hearing you know the truth, but also the hope behind all of this. So we're going to talk today about the good work you do for MMIW Chata, as well as your own story and what inspired you to be a part of this movement. And then a little later, I'll share some interesting news for you listeners. So stay tuned, y'all. Let's start with getting to know you a bit, Carissa. Where did you grow up? 
Um, I actually grew up in um, Gainesville, Texas. Um, that's where I spent most of my life, but um, my auntie raised me in the summers, and she's from the south side of Oklahoma City. So both of those areas is where I mostly grew up. All right. And I'm sure we have plenty of representation amongst our listeners listening today. So NMIW Chatta is your passion and your calling, but you also have a day job, correct? Yes, ma'am. Um, I actually work for the Choctaw Nation as a business relationship manager, and I support housing and outreach. So I'm super honored to support both of those programs that help our tribal members so much. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, it's basically like two full-time jobs. So Hang in there, kudos, and thanks for all you do for our people. So it wasn't that long ago that you and I were talking and you shared that you were going to start the very first MMIW chapter for our people. So how long have you been established now? I'm trying to remember when you started. So April 30th, we got recognized by the state. So it's just been um, a couple months, but in those couple months, we have done some huge, tremendous things. So we have definitely been blessed on this short journey. That's fantastic. And I'm amazed too. Um, I'm on, in one of your group messages on uh, Facebook and it's incredible how many people have come together and just say, saying, I want to help. I mean, apparently Choctaws were out there going, we're ready, let's do this thing. So, and obviously it takes a village to run an MMIW chapter. So feel free to give a shout out to the folks who give of their time to also support these efforts if you'd like. So I do want to give a shout out to my vice chair. Her name is Krista Lampkin. Um, she helped me in creating this organization. Uh, she actually found our EIN and created that for us. Um, I'm only one person. So without her and without our wonderful board members, we have two board members that are actually um, directors and managers for the outreach program at the Choctaw Nation. And then we have a new um, secretary um, named Sarah Hackley and or Hackney. I'm so sorry. I always do that. That's um, all right, Sarah. We love you. <laughs> and is they are um, Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma members as well. She is amazing. She has helped me do this woman conference. Um, and then we also have a board member in Oklahoma City. So we go all the way, not only just the ten and a half counties, but we go all the way up to Oklahoma City. And um, that's Danielle Bishop, and she is from Wichita Tribe. So she isn't Choctaw, but she loves our people. Love that. Love that. And I love all that passion for helping people. And I know that that's just the tip of the iceberg. There have been some volunteers and people just oh, really yeah. <laughs> delving. I, I'm just amazed. It really gives me goosebumps. So um, so tell us more about this MMIW cha uh, Choctaw chapter. So we, um, so we just started in April and we, we went out with a bang. So we had, um, light up Durant was our first event and it was really great. We went down ninth street and that's where we actually started acquiring our uh, volunteers and they showed up for us and it was super exciting. Uh, we had glow sticks for anybody that wanted to come. Uh, we actually wrote MMIW and candles, and uh, we had paint and fun things for the kids. And that was actually on uh, K10 News. So uh, we were super blessed to have that, um, just to spread awareness for that. Um, we are doing our first Wash Away the Silence for the children in the communities within the Tenderhap counties. Um, 
for the 13th of this month. So we've been planning it for two months because we've been trying to acquire water guns for the kids. So especially oh, you know, yeah. kids in like poverty areas, we wanted to make sure we had enough water guns for all of them. And then uh, we're also also getting the fire departments to come out there so that they can tour the fire truck. Um, and we're doing some hot dogs and some drinks as well while we're educating them about how to be safe in MMIW. And that isn't that where it starts. Everyone that I've talked to that's from one of these chapters says we have to get in front of this. We have to start with the kids and really help them to understand safety. I mean, because obviously when you, when there's a missing person or murdered person, obviously the victim is not at fault, but if there's anything that they can do to protect themselves, that's what we want to get out there. Fantastic. Um, so where is your office and in what areas do you serve? So we serve the 10 and a half counties of the Choctaw Nation Reservation all the way up to um, Oklahoma City. There has been some cases that we've had that are outside of our jurisdiction, but if the family reaches out to us, we had some in Seminole that reached out to us. Um, we 100% get behind that. We try to ask the local chapter if they have one, um, if that's okay or for collaboration, but we always do what the family asks us to do. Um, so we service there. Our office is in Calera. We actually office out of my house right now. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> but thankfully, the Tartal Nation is absolutely amazing, and they let us use um, the facilities for meetings um, and all types of things. So we are super thankful. Our women's conference that's coming up is not going to be at my house, so don't worry. Okay. <laughs> we have the Bell Tower in Durant, so it's a beautiful venue. And they gave us a discount as long as well as Roma's. Um, they only, only charged us for the amount of food for the organization. So that was really great as well. That's fantastic. When is that coming up? It is going to be the 16th of this month. Okay. So by the time we air this, it will be over. But I'm hoping it's just going to be an annual thing for y'all. It is because we sold out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Really? That's fantastic. Okay, so folks look for next year. It sounds like it's, you know, going to be a packed house probably both years and and going forward. So, well, good job, Krista. That's awesome. Thank you. We are excited. It's a women in leadership conference. So, it's for women that have either lost a loved one or have suffered some type of domestic violence, sexual assault, kidnapping, human trafficking, or any kind of addiction issues so that they can remember that, you know, no matter what has happened in their lives, they can still, their journey isn't over. Totally. Wow. That's good too. So then you've got the, the root with the children and then you've got survivors that you're helping as well. That's huge. And then, so when you get a call from someone who are you helping and in what kinds of cases are you involved? So we are helping any type of tribal member. Um, sometimes they have gone missing. Uh, we just had a 14 year old girl um, that went missing recently. And uh, a lot of, we, we had a lot of issues with the police department. They mishandled her case. So we had to go through three different police officers our police stations, and uh, nobody knew what we were talking about. Oh, no. We finally uh, were able to locate her case, 
and then we found out that she was actually a foster child um and then when we found that out we reached out to her caseworker and the state didn't really do her justice either so mm -hmm. she got a new caseworker in the middle of this whole thing um that was really hard wow so I, we ended up finding her um and actually she's on my facebook now because she uh, was so thankful that we didn't give up on her um the police had said she was a a runaway that she kept doing it um so they were not really it wasn't a top priority right i ended up with some really bad bad people that were adult men um and so by the time she was ready to come home she was able to reach out to us because we never stopped searching. So that that's one of those cases. Those are that's a different kind of case. Um, we also have one where we have a Jane Doe. Um, this woman has been um, deceased since January twelfth, and she is unidentifiable. So we have been waiting for FBI facial recognition, um, and it has been six months. So. That's something that we have to stay on top of. We have to kind of call FBI over and over and over again until they get tired of us, unfortunately. Right, right. Um, so we have those cases. And um, sometimes we have cases where they're missing and then and then they end up, you know, after a search, they end up finding out that their loved one is deceased. So then we also do um, vigils for them. Uh, we can help with hotel stays or gas. Um, Alyssa Walker, she she had passed away in Idabel, and her family need, uh, was in Oklahoma City. So uh, they needed some help, and we were able to assist with that. So any type of assistance they need. Um, and, and then we also try to just be there for any type of support. Mm -hmm. um, we have families reach out to us that we did not do a search for them because sometimes um, they don't know that their loved one is missing until until it's too late. And so they'll contact us afterwards and ask for us to do a vigil or help with funeral or anything like that. So there's, there's lots of different circumstances that we help out with, but we also do something very different. Uh, when I started my own chapter, I really wanted to focus on the healing aspect mm. for survivors. Mm -hmm. So, um, something I say a lot and I'm sure everyone's tired of me saying it but um I say you know I don't care about you only when you go missing I care about you now and and that's one big thing that um, my whole volunteer group understands and they are the same way uh we all have the same heart we want us we want to stop it because usually they're their abusers or somebody that they know and somebody that they've loved so we try to provide um, education classes and self-defense classes as well so that, you know, they can get out of situations and they have a safe spot to go um, before they go missing. Wow. And that healing, you're, this is just, I'm having a hard time from the moment you talked about the 14 year old that it was just, you know, maybe she just wanted to somebody to keep fighting for her. You know, you've got that situation and then you've got the family with the vigil, vigil and helping with those expenses and then you know the healing aspect for people that are in that cycle obviously is such a huge deal and to know that someone is there for them these other women that truly care and are giving them tools there are some people that don't have say family around them that really care 
or maybe they've given up on them because they've been in the cycle so long that even that family is to the point where they're like, oh, we're done with you. We're tired of going through your drama and quotes with you. And I get that, but to have people in your corner fighting for you and just always there, just loving you and ready to help it. What a good thing y'all are doing. I love this aspect of the healing part of the services. That's, that's fantastic. Thank you. Sure. It, it's never been done before um, that we know mm -hmm. of. Collaborated right. with some MMIWs in the northern areas, um, like in Washington and New Mexico. And they hadn't really done anything like that, but I think they were on that wave. And so it just, it came to us and that was one of our first big events was our healing event that we had in Medill. Wow. Fantastic. Bravo, ladies. I'm so proud. And I love that, you know, our, our tribe stands behind you as well in supporting these efforts. Uh, <clears throat> so you and I had talked about kind of along these same lines, <clears throat> more, you know, doing some things that are a little unique and trying to get ahead of, ahead of things. You're not just helping during the worst of times. You're also trying to be proactive and mentor those younger generations. You told us a little bit about that, but um, why don't you go into it more? I know you talked about preventative maintenance, the Wind River movie night for youth, that kind of thing. So um, something we do for preventative maintenance is we utilize the family violence programs our nation has. Um, we also utilize the outreach programs that they have. We um, post any type of classes. So they have parenting classes um, available and anything that I post on our site, I have went through that class myself before I post it. Wow. Um, so I make sure that, you know, if I don't attend, then somebody on my board has attended or taught it. I try to attend them all. <laughs> wow. Um, that's one thing we do. Um, another thing we're trying to do, and we've been waiting for school to, you know, we're trying to build up credibility in the community and do all these kid-friendly events to build family and community because that's what makes us strong as natives um, is that we always, you know, had family and community, even, you know, way back when. And so that's what we've been trying to do over the summer because when school starts, we'd like to get into the schools mm -hmm. and talk to the young girls and the young boys and do movie nights. Uh, we wanted to do the Wind River just because my boys that I've raised um, they had no idea that that had really happened to young girls. Wow. Um, I think that was the first time when we watched it together that they were shocked and they understood why I do what I do. And then it actually made my, uh, one of my youngest sons, he uh, actually helped me finish making ribbon skirts after that for this family. Oh, um, I love that. But it, it really, um, it really showed them a lot. So I was like, well, if it showed my boys that I had no care in the world, <laughs> what I, I, right, know right. I know that it'll show other boys. Wow. That's great too. I didn't even think about that, that educated, educating both uh, sides of the fence and helping young men to know how to treat a lady, a woman, um, you know, even from a young age. That's fantastic. 
So, and speaking of events, it looks like you've even been doing like fry bread fundraisers and other types of activities that kind of get the community involved and aware and all that. It looks like so much fun and I've missed every single one of them. So I hope to make it soon. Tell us more about that. Um, so we had a like miniature fry bread making class. Um, and it was at the beginning of our healing event. If, um, all natives love to eat. <laughs> so if you Amen, bring, sister. <laughs> if you bring food, they're ca- we're coming. And so um, that's one of our things. We also do uh, taco cells. We really try to go out there and like work for the money. We've applied for some grants, but um, so far, you know, you don't hear back from them until October or November, unfortunately. True. So yeah. um, I am very proud of my team because we have worked really hard for those events. We want to keep cultural um, practices alive in us as well, because that's what makes us different as Native American people is our culture. So, you know, we want to do cooking classes. We've even thought of um, like a beating class, but more of like a, a healing type thing where we were, you know, talking together amongst each other and just um, sharing, sharing mm-hmm. that you know, we don't do as natives very often, especially women, because they're always trying to, you know, be strong, be the matriarch of our of our families, of our tribe. And so we thought, well, if we incorporate beating in that, then we could, you know, we could possibly get some women to share and open up and heal and they can learn from each other. So that's another thing we're kind of looking at right now as well. I, I love that. And just like sitting around talking, you know, folks that I recently took a ribbon skirt making class and it was that very thing where we all started talking. It was real quiet in the beginning and then we all kind of started talking and we were laughing by the end of it. And it really is um, a great way to have community, whether you're having those fun conversations or those deeper discussions. So in addition to fundraisers and grants and things like that, are donations accepted? Donations are, um, I actually want to give Chief's office a huge shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Go Chief. Yes, because uh, they approved a donation for our organization for Labor Day so that we could be in the informational tent and um, they're very expensive. So um, Choctaw Print and Chief's office made that happen for us. They actually donated $600 to our organization um, and now we can be in that informational tent and really help our people. Uh, we're also going to be giving out um, like healing pouches with our flyers. Great. So that's something that we're all getting together and we're doing. So it'll have sage and cedar in it and tobacco. So we're super excited about that. We're going to start making those next month. Fantastic. So that'll be September of 2022. If um, folks are, are listening before then, um, be sure to raise your hand if you want to volunteer, I assume, right? To help make those pouches. The more the merrier. All right. (laughs) And I will be sure to also post this information on my Native Chalk Talk Facebook page so folks can be sure to see what's happening and and coming up and make sure that we're staying up to date on that. In fact, we have more information about that coming in just a moment. So what are the donations typically used for on, say, a day-to-day basis? So I have a rule, (laughs) no funds are used unless we have all voted as a board and we have to have a thirds vote. So, um, 
unless there's an emergency situation and it's like 2 a.m. and a family needs to get to their loved one that has passed, then that would be myself, the treasurer, and my vice president. So um, they still have to have three people say okay. Mm -hmm. But on a normal basis, day to day, it is our whole entire board that has to vote. Uh, we only use the, and we never let the our funds go under $200 because if there is an emergency, we don't care. Like I will mm -hmm. spend my own money um, for an event rather than go under that $200 because if a family comes, that's the whole reason why we're here. And if a family comes and they need something and we don't have at least $200, we can't do anything for them. Yes. So um, that's something really big and important to us. Um, day to day, we really don't touch our funds. Uh, we have been very blessed in our volunteers. Um, you know, we had one, Netta Erin, she volunteered a 20 pound thing of meat. <laughs> Whoa, awesome. Yeah, so she did that for us and that covered our traditional meal for one of our healing events. Um, I, I honestly, when I got a raise, I started putting a little bit money back so that I could put it into the foundation until we started getting grants. Uh, my vice chair as well has bought things out of her own pocket too. Wow. So we really try not to use that money unless it's for a family or it's a, like we did purchase the food out of, for our women's event out of our funding money, um, but we raised the money for the conference. So that was okay. And then, um, we are giving gas money out of it for our speakers. But other than that, we try not to touch it unless it goes to a family. Wow, that's fantastic. And in a minute, I'm going to make sure our listeners know how to uh, send a donation because it sounds like, especially when you're talking about reaching into your own purse to put some money back in the till, it's, um, we need some, we need some donations, people. So let's take some time and think about how we can be of help. But it's not only just the monetary funding, as you mentioned, people can donate their time, like to work on those pouches with you and other things that are coming up. So I will make sure that um, again, that's one more thing that I'm posting on my Facebook page on a regular basis when you need something from the community and then people can kind of pick and choose things that they'd like to help with. So, you know, you bring the community together. Um, it sounds like you're trying to break generational cycles and curses. And I know that, you know, I've talked before about how people don't want to talk sometimes because it may shame their family. And so how do you kind of counter that when you're trying to help some of these victims and you know they're 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 like kind of held back and afraid to talk how do you counter that is that is that even a question that you can easily answer it's just I'm curious honestly I I can um oh you just gave me goosebumps okay so um, <laughs> the way that I have went over that hurdle um, it was it was a very emotional and hard thing for me as well, because I realized that these people are not going to talk to me if they don't trust me. They're not going to talk to any of us if they don't trust us. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I had to do is I had to share my own story and things that have happened to me. And I knew that when I began this journey, that I had to do that. It was something that I had to really like come to realization for myself. And um, when I made the decision to do that, it was very hard, 
but it has opened up all these doors. Um, wow. Sometimes when you share something that everybody knows you don't want to share and you, and sometimes you get vulnerable, um, nobody likes to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It lets them see a side of you that's not just this person that has this title or that's doing all these things or that's, you know, looking any way other than them as a person. They're able to see that more because mostly they're scared. They're scared. They're like, oh, what if I'm going to get judgment? What if they're going to tell my mom or my grandma or my dad? Um, When they realize that it can happen to anyone and it's happened to majority of my board and my volunteers, um, that helps because you have somebody that knows what you're going through. Absolutely. Well, my listeners probably remember in episode nine of season one, I interviewed um, Fawn Satoke, and she's president of the Kiowa chapter of MMIP, which is Missing and Murdered Indigenous People. And she put herself out there too. She told a very heartbreaking story of how she was abused by her neighbor and most likely was about to be kidnapped and she was able to escape. So folks go back and listen to episode nine of season one, if you want to hear about that. By the way, just like in this episode, you're going to need some tissues, but, and then later as an adult, she was nearly murdered and she really used her story to fuel her fire to help others. And that's why she's passionate about MMIP and Honestly, that's the same vibe I get from you about your own story. So are you willing to share about your own story and and what drew you to work with MMIW? Um, So I have a a couple different things. Um, One part of my life that led me to this area is not my story to tell. It is my mother's. Um, But the other side of that, that is mine that I am willing to share, um, the way that I grew up was not the greatest. And um, when I was 15, my mom's uh, drug dealer had um, kidnapped me and taken me to Plano. Oh, man. And had left <clears throat> in a den for a couple of days. What? And, oh, my God. Um, my mom was there as well, um, but my mom was um, incapacitated. And so I think two or three days had passed and I had finally been able to um, get out of the den and there was a cell phone on the kitchen island and I grabbed it and I ran. And when I did that, I had to hide behind the bushes on his house. He would lived in a nice neighborhood, believe it or not. Oh my God. Um, And so the only person I knew to call was my dad. Mm. And so I had to call my dad. And my dad came and got me. Um, then later, years had passed, and that guy was still um, in and out of my mom's life. And he had went through, like, we would catch him, and he'd be going through my panty drawers. He would, um, he was, he was a very awful guy, and my mom would send him to go get me if I wasn't at the house. And mm-hmm. uh, he was a non-Native man. Uh, and I was, like I said, I was, I was really young. The last time he did it, I was 16 and I had to run. Um, it was that main event, believe it or not. And I had wow. to run and my friend had to pick me up in the back. Um, then I had started, you know, dating at that time. Cause I wanted to get out of my home life. And, um, 
I was raped. And so um, I've dealt with that, dealt with domestic abuse partners. Um, the last person I was with actually um, ruptured my ACL and broke my foot in three spots and busted my lip. And uh, that was only a couple years ago. And I had to go to work. And so I know all about, I'm a very bad liar. <laughs> so I had mm -hmm. to go to work um, at the Choctaw Nation when I taught hundreds of people working for LND um, and lie <laughs> and say that right. I had fall fallen in my kitchen floor because I had, oh, yeah. had, wow. a bruise, had a bruise on my face. You know, um, my tooth had went through my lip, <sighs> you know, oh. whole left leg was unusable so I was in a wheelchair and everybody I worked with was very corporate so you know I couldn't let anybody know and so I knew that when I started this journey that like I would have to share that part and that part was a little scary because I still I still work there um but I knew that I was ready and so that was the last time anybody put their hands on me and that was the last time I allowed it because since I was six years old, um, wow. abused physically, I've broken almost every bone in my body. Um, oh my, my God. My first broken bone uh, was actually by my mother when I was um, six. She broke my arm in three spots, oh. just continued, broke my nose a couple times. And so when you grow up like that and you're used to it, you're, you get tough. Mm -hmm. um, so nothing and nobody could hurt me. And then I realized I really needed some healing. Um, I'd been through mental abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse. And to me, physical abuse wasn't as bad. Uh, then when you have girls and you see other women going through things like that, you realize that, okay, if I want to help them and I want to be a light and I want to make sure nobody ever touches anybody I love that way, I have to heal myself. Mm -hmm. and, Absolutely. And so I did. And that's why it's very like near and dear to me. And that is another reason why I take all the classes that I ask someone to take or that I share with somebody is because, you know, I know what kind of helps you, what kind of doesn't, um, but I've done it. I'm not going to tell you to do something that like I don't fully trust because I know how hard it is to trust somebody. So I don't mm -hmm. want somebody to ever um, not be able to trust my word. Um, and I guess that's what drives me. I want to make sure young women know the difference between green flags and red flags, because I didn't know, right. um, had no idea. And I wasted half my life hmm. on, you know, bad people that didn't really love me because I didn't know what love was. So my biggest thing is I just want to share love, let people know what real love is heal them if they haven't but mainly bring awareness and just seeing my mom you know all the abuses she had been through all the abuses I had been through cops didn't really do anything and that's so that's what I was wondering like was there anyone <laughs> along the way that you know either a relative or and you know a service person anybody that looked at you and went something's wrong can I help actually no the CPS um system had 100% failed me um I had called CPS many times when I was young. Uh, my grandmother had called CPS many times when I was young. And um, I actually got beat more afterwards because um, when I would tell them what was going on, 
they would tell my parents. And then um, my mom would get me back and, you know, beat the crap out of me. So um, wow. it was very, very rough. I raised my uh, two brothers during that time. And then they were taken away from her finally. But I, I was 17 at that time and had my own place. So um, I was not removed. Wow. But and that you was know, years of cases. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you said, that's such a big chunk of a very important time in your life. And by the way, listeners, this is the very first time I've heard Carissa's story. I thank you, Carissa, for telling us about this. And, and you know, you're welcome to continue sharing as much or as little as you'd like. I just want you to know I I commend you. I don't know. This has got to be so hard to talk about. And But at the same time, I hope it's healing. And you are doing big things by giving back to all these other women to say, I've been there. I know what you're going through. I'm still, you know, in my own healing journey too along the way. And what I think is interesting as well is the idea that it was somebody, you know, early on, it was somebody, folks that you knew. Actually, all along the way, it was folks that you knew, um, as far as I can tell. And yeah. that's a big thing for all of us parents to look out for, right? I think that's the, um, I think that's my biggest thing that I want to, share with our women and our men is that it usually is like a big percentage somebody that you know or that knows your family member um because of all those issues and I you know I had addiction issues for a really long time because of it so I started drinking at a very young age then I had experimented in other things and, and then I just stayed with drinking um and as natives, like we have, a, we can have addictive personalities because it runs in our families. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was the hardest part is like when you choose to live a different type of life, people stop caring. And that's why I wanted to make sure that when we started our foundation, no matter what they did, no matter what they did as a profession, no matter what's happened in their past, that they know somebody, they can still come to somebody because they still matter. Mm-hmm. And, and it's never too late to get sober. It's never too late to start healing. Um, that's a really big um, part of my journey as well. Is because a lot of people don't share it because when you cope with things by yourself and not in a healthy way, we do find substances. And, um, and that's, not the, that's not any way to live. And so um, I've been sober since I've had my children, but um, congrats. Thank you. It was a, it was a very, um, it was a very long journey, but when you go through stuff like that, um, and I know how they feel because you just want to run away Mm -hmm. feeling you get, but you just want to run away. And if you can't physically run away, what do you, what would you do next? You would emotionally run away. Ah, right. And so that is my, um, my biggest thing is that if I could tell anybody, I only have five seconds with them. That's what I would say. Like, you don't have to run away. Wow. And you know, what's interesting too, is I want to look at you and say, probably the thing that I would assume you've heard this before. I look at you and it looks like you have your, your life together, which I mean, obviously you've come a long way and it, and, and you do, you put things, the pieces back together and we're all Oregon progress, no matter where we are in our journey. But, um, you look whole, you look fantastic, you're a beautiful girl, you know, all these things. And it's kind of like, 
wow, you would never even know that you went through these hard times in your life. And so I want us all to be very aware of that, that just because someone looks like they, you know, they look beautiful, they look like they have it all together. It doesn't mean that there might be not be something going on behind the scenes with abuse, emotional abuse. Like you said, the emotional abuse was almost harder for you than the physical abuse. Um, And so I just want us to all be aware of that kind of thing. I don't care what background you're from, who your family is, how great you might look. There can be all kinds of things going on in someone's life. So don't forget to, you know, ask people how they're doing or, or just be there if they ever come to you. Right. I mean, what other um, suggestions would you have for folks that aren't in the know? 100% what you said. Um, I live by that and I try to instill that in anybody that I speak with. You never know. You never know what somebody is going through um, because people hide it well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hit it very well. And um, you're not the only person to say like, no way. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I would, that's my biggest thing. I, I always say you never know what somebody's going through. So be kind, ask somebody, you know, because you could say, you could say one thing and that person is at their very last straw and it could just break them. And not only would that break your soul knowing that you did that, but you know, it broke another person. And so I'm very big about that. Just, you know, be as kind as you can and be aware of your surroundings and um, the people that you spend all your time with, you know? Absolutely. Uh, you, cause you, you really never know. I know um, a man and he is one of my very, very good friends and he is over six foot tall, big guy. <laughs> um, right. You know, played football, played stickball, like very strong man. Um, and he had went through abuse issues and was having lots of domestic violence um, issues that were not because of him. Wow. And I never know. I would have never known. And even now doing this work, you know, you, you never know. Wow. And again, you're seeing this every day. So even you're surprised when you see things like that. It's just, oh, my heart hurts for your story and for the stories that we know are out there that are just heartbreaking. And the fact that your very own family member, like, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to judge the moms and dads who are to some degree that are carrying on the cycle that they've always known. But at the same time, you couldn't go to your mom for help because your mom was one of those that was, you know, kind of part of that cycle in your own life. And again, with, with all due respect to your mom, I, I really wish that we could do more as a community to help. And I think one of those, the very, very least thing that we can do is maybe keep the stories in mind of our sisters out there who have gone missing or who have been found murdered. And again, whether you're Native American or non-Native, I hope we can all consider these ladies our sisters. Think of it that way and then support the efforts of MMIW or any other organization where they're out there trying to help find missing women. So you were telling us earlier about just a little bit about the story of Alyssa Walker. Are you able to share more about, about this sister? Um, I'm able to share a little bit. Um, it is still an ongoing investigation as far as I know. Um, so because of that, you can't share details. Sure. 
Um, but she was a young, beautiful, amazing woman. Uh, nobody, her funeral was packed. I've never seen so many people come to somebody's service. Wow. All she, she is beautiful, by the way. I'm looking at her photo right now. Such a beautiful lady. Go ahead. Beautiful. She had a young girl, um, young little girl. And so uh, that's actually who my son and I, well, he's my brother, but I've raised him. So my son and I, we made, uh, we stayed up and made her little daughter a um, ribbon skirt. Oh. Her little purse with her and her mama's picture on it and a little shirt. Good God. Um. But she, you know, she left her daughter behind. She left her mother behind. Um, she was loved by the whole town. Anybody that knew her, she was loved. Um, and her, and just like any family, they want to make sure she's not forgotten and they want to make sure she gets justice. Her car was found in a body of water. Um, they had said that it was, that it was an accident. Um, but there are other other things that lead to that it wasn't hmm. uh, so we are still you know we're still doing that she was in nursing school um she was a hard worker she um her her family and all her friends dearly love her i always check back actually i uh, just checked in with her um cousin today because that's who i initially contacted hmm. uh, because we were there's this woman making uh, MMIW makeup palettes um, and she yeah. does beautiful work. And so she had reached out, thankfully, uh, to our chapter to try to honor some of our some of our sisters that have fallen, which I just commend her for. Uh, not only are they beautiful, but like this. Wow. There's the stories, too, when you when she names them after them. So to me, oh. like that perfect way to honor them so I actually reached out to her family today and was talking to them about an opportunity um but there's just all kind the movement is just spreading in so many beautiful ways and they're so different and so um that that's just a little about a bit about her case uh we did have a private investigator on standby um but unfortunately if a police department does not want to cooperate with a private investigator. We have to wait until the police um, department closes the case. And then that, oh. is, um, that is when we can. Um, okay. Yeah. So I didn't, that, I didn't know that. Yeah. That is a hard, hard truth about it. Um, now, if the state, the police station decides to work with the guy, they can, you know, they can work side by side and, and do everything right then. But if not, we have to wait for the case to be closed, which is very unfortunate. Um, so right now it, it is on standby as far as I know. Okay. Wow. Well, we will continue to keep our eyes open for more information. Uh, such a sad story and blessings to her little girl um, who's going to be armed with the strength of a ribbon skirt and a matching little purse. I'm, um, I love that you guys did that. And, and it really is something interesting that's come out of this movement. Like when you're talking about the makeup palettes and how each story is shared with the, oh, it's just, oh, um, what a beautiful way to use your talents, you know, to, to bring awareness and, and share a little healing. So, and it really is just MMIW is coming together 
I think, of very strong and inspired women who've come from all over to join and and help these chapters across the country again, like a sisterhood. And many of them do have stories like this, that they themselves, as you did for a while too, kept those stories to themselves. And and now they've realized this is their time to stand up and say, hey, this happened to me and I'm not going to let it happen to any of my Native sisters. And what is meant for evil, you know, it can be turned for good. And this is proof. You, Carissa, are proof of that. And and so as for this um, Choctaw chapter, what do the numbers for missing and murdered women look like in Choctaw country? So I'm still um, trying to dial it down to just the 10 and a half counties, but um, most of them have happened in our area. And just in 2020, it was 2,378. And that was just sexual assault, human trafficking, or murder. And just for females, that was not for males. Um, And they were, and those were just for natives. Um, then wow. when you get to assault, there was 22,000, uh, 22,000, I think it was 22,073. And those are just the ones reported. And so wow. that's shared with council when we were honored to be able to go speak to them is this is happening right here. And this are just the ones that are reported. And I know that they're not all reported because we get scared, you know, you don't yes. know that um, it's scary to stand up to somebody. Um, the scariest thing I ever did was stand in court in front of somebody that had abused me. So um, I know that they're not all reported, but that was just in 2020. Uh, the 2021 numbers haven't been um, worked yet, but I work with uh, Sovereign Body Institutes. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of um they do a lot of um, like kind of human trafficking, kidnapping, um, murder, but they but they have all these wonderful um, ways to report on them. And then you can even specialize and get whatever report you want. And that's the one I'm waiting for, for Choctaw County um, to, and they'll send it to you. It just takes a while. So what I did was I kind of, before I decided I was gonna use them, I made sure that I went around and I got all the police, <laughs> the police stations in our area. Wow. And I got the reports and then I compared them. And so everything that we've had and everything that's been reported to, you know, OSBI or the Indian Bureau, um, all of it, they might differ for like maybe 10 to 15 at the most, but most of their numbers are the same. Wow. Isn't that insane? I had no idea that even just across those 10 and a half counties, that those numbers were so high. And again, very important to understand that's just the people reporting. Yeah. Wow. This has been so eye-opening. I also, I mentioned earlier, we have some interesting news. So as we switch gears just a little bit, On my Native Choctaw Facebook page, I'm going to start posting regular updates from Carissa about the latest from MMIW Chata events, fundraisers, any kind of update that will help us stay informed 
So why don't you tell us more about what they might hear in some of these updates? So I will definitely update on um, any events that we are having, any current cases, um, because the most important part of having an MMIW is to not only spread awareness, but to spread awareness of the current cases so that we can solve them for those family members. And also, you know, we need volunteers when a search needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So I will definitely share those kind of opportunities um, as well as any successes we have because we've been moving so fast. I haven't got to celebrate any of our successes. I, I know. To... I don't know how you have time to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. oh, we haven't got to, but I try in the middle of the night when I can't sleep to uh, congratulate my wonderful volunteers and all the, all the ones that go above and beyond. So we do, you know, share pretty much everything on our Facebook page, but um, those are the type of things that I'll do. And if we have a fundraiser, um, I will definitely share that as well or any stories that um, a mother or the next of kin says that I can share. I can definitely do that as well. Okay. That's fantastic too. And, and really when we hear these stories, it really makes it more human to us. You know, the fact that you would sit here and share your story just again, opens my eyes and helps me understand, okay, again, this seemingly very happy woman went through all this. If she can go through this, imagine, you know, how many women around us are also dealing with some of these things. And so I'm really glad we're going to have these updates because it's going to keep us hopefully up to speed and keep these um, sisters in mind. So folks, please listen for or look for those coming soon on my Native Chalk Talk Facebook page. There is so much work to be done in MMIW. I bet it's overwhelming for you every time you think of it. But but with that, there are needs, help for funeral costs, vigils for victims, donations of time by private investigators, those who can look for missing women, people to share about those missing people on social media and so on. So, so tell us more. Is there anything that you need right now and how can our listeners help? Um, I always need volunteers. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I feel like it's only me and then, right. and then have some that step up because everybody has lives um and so that's a, that's the hardest part so you can never have too many because you never know you know when somebody's going to go on vacation or you know somebody's just tired and they need a break that's mm -hmm. normal so as many as we can um donations are always welcome even if they're like items for family members um you know things that we can raffle off or any anything like that uh, we're just happy and welcome anything. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And and how do they reach you for like giving you those donations of, of items or money or just letting you know that they're willing to volunteer? So um, our Facebook page, our, um, our website is still being built and that's actually being built by a company called BFEG out of okay. Dallas company and they are donating that to us so we are super thankful nice i also want to give out to, a shout out to starbucks because they partner with us and they give us free coffee for our elder bingo oh that is, <laughs> thank you starbucks and thank you bfeg that's awesome yes and they're actually supplying the servers for our women and um, our women conference starbucks is paying them so we are super thankful for them um but basically, the only way to reach me is our Facebook page or my cell phone number, which is also on our Facebook page. And I answer it all the time, no matter what. 
because um, that's the number that MMIW has for me. So um, my cell phone number is on there. I answer texts. I answer the messages from either my personal Facebook or on our MMIW Facebook and constantly answering calls and messages. (laughs) Wow. How do you have children? You have a full-time job and you're doing this. I I hope that people understand what a um, calling, but also a a time current suck this probably is. And I hate to say time suck, but you know, it's a lot of work. I know. Oh my gosh. I'm an empty nester. So my kids are out of the house now, but I have a full-time job. And then my podcast is a full-time job and it's nowhere near the calling of helping missing and murdered indigenous women. So, oh my gosh, hang in there, please. If nothing else, y'all pray for Carissa to get a good night's rest. Um, so, all right. So let's say your Facebook page, um, is it MMIW dash Chata? So it's actually spelled out. It's missing murdered indigenous women Chota, And that's because my, um, I call him, he's who I go to, um, when my house needs healing or my kids need saging, um, I go to him. He, um, and he was like, don't you shorten it to MMIW. Okay. Who say what it is? Okay. But yes, sir. (laughs) And so when he told me that and he empowered me in that way, I try not to shorten it to MMIW when I speak about it because he said, make sure they know what it is. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of people still don't. Yeah. They don't. They don't. And so if it weren't for him, he is who I go to for advice. and my kids, I probably would not, <laughs> not be okay. They definitely level me out and keep me on track. Oh, supportive. <laughs> That's awesome. They are all down to help all the time. So, uh, well, shout out to your kids, Carissa. Thank you, <laughs> Carissa's kids, for being so supportive of your mom. She needs you. <laughs> well, wonderful. I will be sure to post. Um, all of this information on my Native Chalk Talk Facebook page. And again, uh, listeners, please start looking for those updates that are going to be coming your way um, on that page as well. Um, Little messages. They might even at times be video messages. They might just be an update um, and, you know, just with her words or whatever. We will make sure that we get the word out there. And speaking of words, (laughs) what words of wisdom would you like to share with myself and our listeners? I think I've already said it a couple times, but mainly um, to our listeners, I just want them to know that, you know, they matter no matter what has happened in their lives or what's happened in their family's lives or any kind of generational trauma. Um, It is never too late to heal. And there are people out there that care and love you and And our message box is always open. We also share um, different counseling lines and things like that. Um, We also, we have a grief counselor that's actually on our board. So um, anybody that needs that, we are available. That's one big thing we're here for. So um, I think that's about it. Just knowing that you are, you know, you're loved and that you deserve all the happiness in the world. Absolutely. And you don't have to run which I think is such great advice that you mentioned earlier as well. So again, you'll find the information on missing murdered and indigenous women dash chata 
look for it on my Facebook because it'll it'll make more sense there than I can say here. And again, the domestic hotline information I mentioned earlier is 1-800-799-7233 or visit thehotline.org. I hope we'll never take it for granted that we know where our daughters are and that they're safe, that we aren't getting that horrifying feeling from our child just not coming home one day and for the rest of our lives just wondering where she went. So please say a prayer for these families that live this every single day. Pray that their loved ones will be found safe and will be brought home. Pray for comfort for those who unfortunately had to say goodbye to their daughters or their mothers or sisters. And I hope you'll feel the calling to not only pray, but to help too. So listeners, we thank you for your consideration. Stay safe, everyone, and God bless. The Choctaw Nation has always provided a foundation upon which a future can be built. From our home in Southeast Oklahoma to a bingo hall that grew to be one of the largest casinos in the world. Today's summer school programs lay the groundwork for a love of learning. Small business programs support local economies. And with over 10,000 jobs created, Choctaw offers financial stability to tribal members and our neighbors. Together we build success because together we're more. Thanks for listening to Native Chalk Talk. Be sure to join our community on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Simply search for Native Chalk Talk. That's Native, C-H-O-C-T-A-L-K. And check us out at nativechalktalk.com. Stay tuned for the next episode. You're going to love it. Yakoki. Thank you, my friends.